Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Warning. If you like your UFO literature to confirm what you already know, this is not the book for you. From White Crow Books comes a brand new collection of essays. 14 authors. One goal, to shatter the UFO topic and pick up the pieces in a whole new light. Compiled and edited by Robbie Graham, with a foreword by Professor Diana Walsh-Pasolka, UFOs Reframing the Debate is a cold, hard slap in the face for ufology. Delivered with love. UFOs Reframing the Debate. Available now in paperback and ebook on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble, the Book Depository, and the iBookstore. For a complete list of contributors and to learn more, visit robbygram.uk. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. You're probably wondering what that song was all about. Well, this episode is a mashup of sorts. For the first in-studio interview, we are joined by my good friend and colleague, Andrew Sanford. Andrew is a writer and performer here in New York City. As a writer, he has written a full-length graphic novel called Gwendolyn that was published in 2014. He has also twice been a featured writer in the 2014 and 2016 ABC Studios New Talent Showcase. When he isn't writing, he is the host of the popular current events comedy podcast, Half-White Son of a Black Man. Today, Andrew and I have a light-hearted but deep conversation about the entire UFO and alien question. It was a refreshing and no-holds-barred discussion between a skeptic, and a believer. Was one of us swayed either way? Find out right now. All right, guys. So this is a little different. We're going to shake things up this week. And uh, we're going to be talking to a buddy of mine, Andrew Sanford. This is the first studio interview we're doing. I've been listening to Andrew's podcast for a while now. I've been featured on it. One of the funniest things out there. Andrew, thanks for joining me today, my man. Thank you, Ryan. With your sweet words and such. <laughs> with, with your sweet words? With you the words that come out of your mouth? You're like all this. nice and sweet. <laughs> um, thank you, man. You were, yeah, you were actually on the second. I think I interviewed you on the second episode. I think you're right. Um, and we talked about aliens. Yes, we did. We? Yes, we did. Yeah. I, re- I remember very specifically, actually, because it was something that I was very interested in, is there was something that happened at the time that I can't remember if it was debunked or it was just something that was... Uh, just proven to be kind of like a hoax in general, um, and I was interested in your thoughts on how, and how that affected you and how that kept you going as somebody who believes in this kind of stuff, when more often than not, yeah. we will hear stories that end up being false. Absolutely. How, it's, how it is to, you know, 
keep hold. And obviously, nothing has stopped you since. So <laughs> I think you're doing all right. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I do specifically remember this was the Roswell Slides. Incident, ah, yes. Which Ooh, made that might have headlines. been a separate episode because I feel like that was like last year, wasn't it? This was. It wasn't too long ago. I feel like yeah. I brought you back on when that happened because too I many hoaxes. Yeah, to yeah, count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that is a great point, though. As and it's a testament. To it's a testament well. to any researcher out there who's willing to mm-hmm. keep looking at this uh, topic. I won't say phenomenon because that's completely separate from the uh, sure the topic, the subculture of ufology, the uh, the study of it. Uh, you do. You run into hoaxes time and time again when you're dealing with something so mysterious mm-hmm. and just you know out there people are going to take advantage of that they're going to there, there's there's no easier way than to take advantage of someone's beliefs right and if they're willing to believe they will do anything yeah. including opening their wallets mm-hmm. and we see it time and time again it's sad but we just hope that we can continue to do our own work and get the most credible cases out there. And there's tons of them out there. Sure. And, you know, it's sad that the ones that get the most attention usually are the hoaxes or the very sensational stuff. But I appreciate that. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you, my man. Please tell people about your podcast. It is called Half-White Son of a Black Man. It comes out pretty regular. We're actually up to, we're on a nice steady schedule. Recently, it's, uh, let's see, episode 82 just came out. Wow. Uh, and I would say about six episodes I took the format and shook it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I needed a change. Like, I remember at the beginning, I had an interview on every episode. Um, and it was to interview actors who had day jobs that weren't your standard kind of day job. Or just working actors in general. So then that led into, like, it was that with, like, a round table, and then it I kept it at just a round table, and it would be different guests every time. And now I have these same two guys who are two of my best friends, Mikhail Page and Jerron Young. You can go to moonmontchronicle.com to check out Mikhail's stuff, or you can look up Jerron Young online. He's a, he's a stand-up, and Mikhail's a writer. Um, I, I always joke that I purposely have, like, one white guy and one black guy on there to split the... Just so it, <laughs> it's like having a little angel and devil on my shoulder, but I won't tell you which one is which. Right. Um, and I'm sure it switches from oh, week yeah, to week. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now, yeah, like, like, I changed the format to add a little bit more improv in there. It used to be, like, very topical and topic-based. Now it's just more fun and... I usually bring on another guest, and yeah, we just uh, we do some new segments and then talk about some topical stuff, but uh, it, it that always skews towards the nerdy, too. Like, yeah. I feel like I can't help, like, who I am as a person. You can't so escape who you are. Back. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I had to, at the beginning of an episode a few weeks ago, talk about the fact that Batgirl, or that Joss Whedon was making a Batgirl movie, <laughs> or might be making a Batgirl movie. It's not even official yet, but it was so exciting that I had to, I had to just change the entire purpose of the podcast for the first five minutes yeah. to be like, guys! <laughs> Joss Whedon, Batgirl. Come on, it's very Buffy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, in terms of who you are, uh, what's the name of the podcast? Half White Son of a Black Man. Why? 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 I, Tell us why. My uh, father is African American, mm-hmm. a little Native American uh, in there. My mother is a hunky. <laughs> um, no, I. Yeah, it was that was a name that I came up with a few years, like a title that I came up with, uh, I would say even a few years before I started the podcast. I started the podcast in 2014. I think the name was something I came up with in like 2011 okay. when I was thinking of like one-man shows to do because I start like, I'm mainly a writer now and then I have the podcast, but I very much started my career wanting to be just a performer. Um, 
So I thought like a one man show with that title could be fun. And then at a certain point, I was like, I have to do something with this name because I really like it. And I was like, I could brand myself with it a little bit. So now you can go to halfwhitesonofablackman.com and I'm the guy that shows up. Um, so mission accomplished. It's a really cool logo, by the way. The whole Thank yin you. thing. My good friend Joe Cabotit, uh drew that, who also drew my comic book Gwendolyn, which is no longer. Um, publicly available there was a uh, we had a publisher at one point and then we just parted ways which happens um so we uh i've been messing around with ways that it's I, i'm pretty sure i'm just going to put it up on the website at some point cool. just so people can read it because i love it it was a labor of love and i even if i have become a better writer since then and i know joe has become a better artist since then joe's amazing but that book is all he worked his butt off yeah, for this it shows. book, and yeah. it's painted in these whites and blacks and grays. And I'm like, my writing is okay in that book. It is made a million times better by how beautiful Joe's work is. <laughs> I cannot sing the praises of that enough. It's phenomenal stuff. Yeah. It, it's um, a really cool book, and I know we connected. You wrote the intro levels. for it. I did. Yeah, yes, the, uh, yes, the, yes, the forward, yes, as it yes, were, which forward. was a complete honor. It was really interesting. It, it, you know, it follows this young girl, and please forgive me if I'm butchering this, but she was a demon. Yes, she's technically she's a, about 225 years old. Mm-hmm. Her human body, but right. she was possessed by a demon, and it's this whole race of like demon children. They can only possess people who are under the age of 11 because up until 11, your soul is not fully developed. And sounds uh, a lot like puberty. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. And I was very, I'm always, I've always been obsessed with like adding mythology to things. So like for my first comic book, I was like, I want to do something that's steeped in its own mythology. But my problem was, I was like, I'm not going to fill people in on that. They're going to figure it out by context clues. And it was a very mm-hmm. much an early writer's mistake of being like, let's leave them in the dark. <laughs> let's treat them like mushrooms. They're not going to know nothing. Yeah. Um, but it's still, yeah, it's still very fun. And it's about her. She's been in a, the character's name is Gwendolyn. She's been in a self-imposed exile for about a hundred years. And then there's this uh, new creation, this new birth of another of her kind, which there also hasn't been for a hundred years. And it was part of the truce. And that brings her out of her exile. So mm. that's, yeah, it goes from there. It's this mystery to find out how this birth happened and why. And, right. um, and then it also tells the story of, uh, this character named Jerome, whose niece was kidnapped. And, uh, it's his story running parallel to Gwendolyn's. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely, that's the most of one thing that I've ever written because mm-hmm. there is, I wrote, um, we wrote the five of the first volume is about five issues. We wrote, I wrote five, drew, drew five, he actually drew six. There is a sixth out there. We just never got around. Like, certain things held up getting it out there. And we also wanted to release the second volume as one piece as well. Right. Um, but I wrote all ten scripts. Like, there was ten. Like, it's out there. And I, I tied it off at the end, too. And there was... I always had these big, grand plans. Like, yeah. I love looking into the future. Especially with stuff like comic books. And I, I always love people like Jeff Johns or Scott Snyder who can take something... At the beginning of their run on, like, Batman or Green Lantern and have it tie all the way back, like, four years later. So that's that was always in the front of my head when I was writing that book, was I was like, what can I set up now that can come back later in a real satisfying way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, who would you say is your biggest inspiration when it comes to your writing? Ooh. Um, I know it probably varies from yeah, genre to genre. Um, Jeff Johns is definitely up there. I love Jeff Johns. Is, Jeff Johns is the first comic book writer who I ever recognized. It was one of these things where I was... 
I had a bunch of... I remember I mainly started collecting just, like, collections. Like, a lot of people will just call them graphic novels, but it's a lot of times, like, what people consider to be a graphic novel is issue 23 through issue 27, just collected in one in one easy-to-hold uh, collection. So that's what I really started with, because I was like, oh, we'll get these all the time. And I started to notice, I was like, oh, I really like this book, or this collection, and this collection, and I really like this one. And I was like, wait, those are all written by the same guy. Mm. Um, and that just kind of started that there. And he was, like, that was... I love DC Comics, and he was, a, like, DC's number one guy now. I mean, he's even more so of that now, but this was at a point where he was writing... Five comic books a month, which is crazy. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's and that's 22 pages a book, um, completely different stories, all tied to all these other things, and that's why, like, he's, you know, he's in charge of the movies now. Right. Um, so I love Jeff Johns, and I've always loved um, Stephen King as well. Stephen King, like, comic book guys, there's Jeff Johns. I could go on and on with different inspirations I get from different people. Um, Grant Morrison, I always suggest to people because he's just weird. He just, <laughs> I, I, oh, it's just and so unabashedly like doesn't care, just weird. And right. they're doing. He did this story called Happy. Uh, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. If I ever get once people get me started talking about comic books, I will. <laughs> there's keep going. no escape. Just real quick, yeah. There's a book that he wrote that's called Happy. It's four issues. It is Sin City meets Care Bears. And I, it meets It's a Wonderful Life. It's about this hitman who, on Christmas Eve, is visited by this little blue flying horse that is trying to get him to save this little girl. It's fantastic. It's only four issues. It's so good. And they're doing a TV show of it with Christopher Maloney for sci-fi. Like oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Maloney. one of the guys, one of the crank directors being the director and executive producer, the Neville Dean and Taylor. Wow. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Comic books I could go all day. Uh, I love Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I'm a big... Ba- Stephen King, there's something about... A... He is always, for a man who um, seems like a pretty regular dude who lived, like, you know, for all intents and purposes, a regular life. He was a school teacher and then just struck it big as an author and has been writing since then and was, you know, arguably one of the biggest pop culture authors in our time. Right. And he, yet he still is able to get these emotions for people that, like, I don't know if he's ever met, like, a little chubby 14-year-old that lived in Maine, or I don't know if he's ever met, like, a little boy who's in a uh, a giant hotel with his dad, but it's, you feel like he has. You feel like you know, exa- he knows exactly what they're going through. There's this emotion. There's also this crazy ability that he has, which is to, it's like a narrative stream of consciousness. It's like this mix of somebody will be talking, it will be from somebody's point of view, and then they will, something will slip out in such this casual way that is such a deep, personal, in like thought, that the kind of things that we never say out loud. Right. And it's right. just in there, just naturally, for every character. And every time it is spot on as to what this person is probably thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just envy that to no end. Like, yeah. he's able to just tap into that. Every, I feel like the biggest note you can get as a writer, or at least one that I often get, um, is that uh, somebody will see one character in something that I've written and they're like, I feel like you like that character a lot. You should put that love into the other characters uh, mm-hmm. that you have. And sometimes it's, you know, even doing that will uh, can only accomplish so much. Stephen King loves every single character that he writes, and it shows in the way that they're presented. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are definitely up there on my influences writing-wise. I'd say those are some really good choices, for sure. <laughs> well, writing has always been something that you and I have related on mm-hmm. and had in common. But, you know, there are things that set us apart. We have comic books, we have theater, we have writing... Uh, 
I have always been obsessed with UFOs, mm-hmm. with aliens. This is apparent. I have a podcast. I wrote the book. We could go on for days. But we've never really sat down and had a discussion on this topic as friends, it's as true. colleagues. So I kind of wanted to do that today. So if you... If you're up for it, man, let's do it. Let's I'm all about today. it. I'm all about it. I'm yeah. excited about this because I, <laughs> I am a, I am a willing skeptic. I would love to believe a lot of different things. Like mm-hmm. I was raised Catholic. Am no longer Catholic. I would consider myself. I would not. I, I agnostic and atheist and all these different things. Like I think agnostic is the one where you. I would be open to the idea of there being like some kind of power, higher power or something different out there. But there's just nothing for me that has proven that yet. And the same could be said for UFOs. And also another thing that we talk about often, which is uh, the the paranormal. Because there are certain things that I almost feel like, and I feel like I might be, if I'm jumping ahead, please feel free to stop me. But I, um, when it comes to things like cryptozoology, I don't consider to be crazy at all. I, 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 like, I would believe a Bigfoot or a Loch Ness monster way before I would believe a possession or an abduction. Um, and that's just how I am. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I would want to. And then there's things like with what happened with Jupiter. I don't know when this will be coming out. Who knows? Things could have changed by then. But we're finding water and moons on the moons of Jupiter that could sustain life and stuff like that. So, hey, you know what? If that changes, I'm out of here. Whatever. That's, <laughs> I lose. I'm willing. I am willing to believe. But nothing has pushed me over that plateau quite yet. That's 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 a good point. The the idea of uh, a more scientific approach to this, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that there could be some sort of single celled organism or a bacteria yeah. on the water on a moon. Okay, let's go from there. That's an extremely uh, scientific approach to looking at the extraterrestrial uh, possibility. Uh, but many people here on Earth believe that they they have either personally been visited by some sort of non-human intelligence or that whatever these UFOs are flying around, that they are, in fact, extraterrestrial. So there is this huge dichotomy between the hardcore believers in the UFO phenomenon being E.T. and those who are willing to say, no, yeah, there's got to be life out there. Mathematically, it's, it's a given. So to toe that line, I think, is very important first of all, remaining objective, mm-hmm. and to always have your eye on that scientific approach to it. What it comes down to me, too, is I, human beings love to feel special. Yes. We love to feel special. We were modeled after God's image. We, are, we, are, we have domain over the animals and the fish in the sea, and we are, we are the divine human beings. So, of course, alien life must be interested in picking up our least important people in the country and and studying them for several minutes. I, I And I forget, I feel like this was like a quote that was like used for a movie, but it is like an actual quote, but it's just like, the quote is, is something along the lines of um, either there is no other life in the universe or they there is and they want nothing to do with us. Either one is equally terrifying. Yes. My thing is, it's like, well, why? would we be abducted why on this backwards divided planet what would some other race who has the ability to travel the stars want to do with us what it's it's a really good question i would believe in life on other planets sooner than i would believe that they would give a 
shit about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's there's another. I would be perfectly willing to accept the fact that there is of course of course there's other life out there. Of course there has to be. Just ma- like you said, mathematically, there just absolutely has to be. It could be nowhere near us, but it's out there. But it transcending time and space in a way that either you're either following the Independence Day model and it takes them 25 years each cycle to get to where mm-hmm. we are, or they are able to do it so quick. That it takes them, like, maybe a couple of hours or even a year? Like, to travel light years in a year? That's crazy. So why? Like, why <laughs> us? Why? What? Are, what? 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 That's a good question. And, you know, that's where the whole idea of of this phenomenon, and if they are here and they are, quote-unquote, you know, studying us, why are we so important? What makes us integral to them coming these vast distances breaking every rule of logic and physics that we feasibly know of on Mm -hmm. our planet to do that. And many people believe that this entire idea of alien visitation is a anxiety. It's, it's, it's a fear Mm -hmm. of another. It's also an absence of belief in possibly a higher power, a divinity. This is now the replacement for that. When people have lost all hope in God, in their life, uh, a lot of people will search for something else. And there are many, you know, psychoanalysts who've really looked into this. And they believe that the whole flying saucer phenomenon came around back in the 50s, or the late, excuse me, the early to late 40s. Okay. You're looking at post-World War II. Everyone has these post-war anxieties of what comes next, you know. All this evil we just saw throughout the world may have been vanquished, but when will it come again? So then this sort of manifests and manifests into different things. Who's going to be the next enemy? And that's uh, yeah, the exactly. idea of the other comes about. And it's such an evil, such an evil that is almost cartoonish. Adolf Hitler did committed abominations, atrocities, like things that were maybe like seen and done before, but on that grandest scale and with that kind of confidence you could argue that the only way to be able to deal with something like that actually happening is to believe in something even worse to believe that something could be happening because that the holocaust was out of people's control you were on the it was one of the first times where we get to see these horrible things happening and we over here and we are all the way over here with very little recourse we eventually went in and helped, and that. But it took like a military movement. People went to war. People died to stop this evil. It was a clear cut. These are the bad guys. We are the good guys because they are murdering innocents. That is a that messes with your head. That can shift around your beliefs, what you know, what you think you know, what you don't know. Like everything changes. So the idea that they could be so warped that they have to believe, like no. I can't even deal with what is on this planet right now. This was something else. Yeah. This was from somewhere else. This is some other. And this is right... So this is around the 40 and 50, 40s and 50s that the Flying Saucer stuff started? Right during the Red Scare? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, so I that, mean, like... The whole idea of an invasion yes. of sorts. Yeah. Because yeah. isn't that pretty much what uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a metaphor for? Is oh, the communism? Many. Yeah, yeah, Many yeah. of the early B sci-fi movies, as they call them, uh, were a direct commentary on communism mm. and the 
the scare of the, not only the red scare, but the idea of these weapons being built that were so te- technologically advanced yeah. to what we knew before mm-hmm. that they could wipe out the entire planet. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And Eerily that, similar to now. Yes. And that is where things get concerning. That's when I start to understand why they would want something to do with us because we are capable of that kind of destruction. But even then, it's just like, let them destroy themselves and we'll come in and pick the pick up the pieces. I think if we're ever to be visited by alien life, we will be long gone. <laughs> Many people believe... Because we're a risk. We are absolutely... We're a risk. If, if, if <laughs> I've seen Day, Day of the Earth stood still, both versions, and we do not <laughs> handle that very well. That is a good point. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people believe that the... The first time, you know, it, it, putting aside the entire idea of ancient aliens. Arrival, man. Arrival, I think, nailed it beautifully. Yeah. This idea that our first atomic bomb, when it was detonated, was literally a beacon to any life out there. Yeah. Look at what that little thing mm-hmm. off in the distance that we never bothered to even look at. Look at what they just did. Yeah, exactly. Like, that thing could be seen from space. And then 72 years later, we're like, let's fire up the Tesseract, too. Boom, another beacon <laughs> just starts calling out. Thanos is like, oh, they think they're powerful. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's sorry. it. Once again. He, he, he slips into comic books. I have to apologize. It happens so easily. <laughs> but, well, let's let's talk about that, that idea of uh, invasion of another. There's something we've recently been talking yeah. about that you you personally found of interest and really excited me because it's something I haven't thought about in a while. War of the Worlds, man. Yeah. The radio program, not just the book, right. not the classic piece of literature, right. but a radio presentation directed by and starring one Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, with infinite complacence, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small, spinning fragment of solar driftwood which by chance or design, man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. But yeah, it was a radio broadcast of War of the Worlds that uh, the first, I think the first two segments uh, were done like actual news bullets. Yes. Of an alien invasion. Just, it, it, it was, it was so well done, yeah. as we'll get into, that... It very well could have been happening. Yeah, and if and it freaked, it's debatable about how many people it freaked out. And I love, uh, I think there was, uh, maybe you had, because I know you said you pulled some quotes, but there's something Orson Welles said, or no, there's something H.G. Wells said, because uh, at one point him and Orson Welles finally sit down to talk about it years after yep. it happened. Happened, and my Massachusetts coming out. <laughs> um and he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, like, it's just like when somebody sees a ghost, they're still, like, you see the, or you see a person in a sheet, and you know it's a person in a sheet, but you still, like, you know, you act scared and you run away and stuff yeah. like that. He's like, that's what was the reaction to people hearing War of the Worlds. Oh, with me for talk. Wait a minute, something's happening. Humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from that mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lord, they're turning into flames. Ah! Now the whole field's caught up by the woods. The fires are 
gas tanks, tanks of the automobiles spreading everywhere. It's coming this way now, about 20 yards. About... The enemy is now in sight above the Palisades. Five people in the streets see it now. They're running toward the East River, thousands of them, dropping in like rats. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It's reached Times Square. People are trying to run away from it, but it's no use. They, they're falling like flies. Yeah, they knew, but they still like it's part of a it's Halloween. It's part of like because it, like it's part of the fun. Right. Almost. This was it's broadcast on out. Halloween. If, yes. You know, if not many people knew that. Um, but yeah, this idea that there was like a third of the listenership who genuinely believed yeah. this was an alien invasion mm-hmm. happening. The rest of the people who were tuning in sporadically throughout the the broadcast, they thought it was either some sort of natural catastrophe happening mm-hmm. or the Germans. So, I mean, again, you know... I was about to say, they hadn't even... I don't even think the attack on Pearl Harbor had happened yet when I, this broadcast had happened because... Right. Oh, wait, no, it couldn't have because this broadcast was like 1936 or something Hitler like that. Hitler was actually still in power during Right, this. yes, yes, yes. No, I'm thinking of the... When they sat down later on, they were discussing uh, very specifically because H.G. Wells brings up the fact that Britain and France were actively fighting in World War II when those two men sat down and we had not yet joined the conflict. Right. So it's very much like, uh, oh, yeah, war is is... You know, war is just some spectacle until it's at your doorstep. It, uh, exactly. That's yes. that's a good point. Um, yeah. I know H.G. Wells, He act, when they did meet up, he said, you aren't quite serious in America yet. Right. This is the exact quote. Uh, you haven't got the war right under your chins, and the consequence is you can still play with ideas of terror and conflict. It's a natural thing to do until you're right up against it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you hit it on the head. And a fun little... T- people who really understood that, a uh, fun little side note is the writers of Superman at the time because if if Superman ever punches a Nazi, I think it's maybe in, like, one cover of some issue or maybe it was just on the cover or it was never a story because they were just like, it's insensitive to have this guy go, you send Superman over to Germany, World War II is over in ten minutes. <laughs> but then it's still there the next day when you wake up. Yeah. So... It's it's true. Like we're not always America's not always the best with that stuff until it's happening to us, and then we're like, now wait a minute. Yeah, this is not to joke about. This is a serious thing that we were joking about last year. <laughs> well, I mean, let's you know the broadcast aside. Like, it, it was interesting. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, there is a lot of controversy on. You know, did pe- people actually like? leave their homes did people actually commit suicide thinking this was the end of the world that's all up for debate mm-hmm. you know there's been no irrefutable evidence that these things happen apparently it was greatly exaggerated but people did yeah panic you yeah, know? a lot of people called cbs like the phone lines at cbs were ringing off the hook yeah like that's that is proof enough in itself and this is a time when it's not like somebody was like oh change the channel it's like if you change the channel, you, you got three other radio stations to listen <laughs> That's to. It. It's yeah. this one, and you can listen to Little Orphan Annie. Take your pick. <laughs> well, and, you know, even Orson Welles, he admitted, like, we do these kind of shows all the time. All the time. Why is this the one that everyone's yeah. freaking yeah, yeah, out yeah, about? Yeah. He, he said, the technique I used was not original. It was not even new. I anticipated nothing unusual. So then people asked, you know, do you think you should have toned it down? A little bit, you know, the language, the brutality going on in this alien mm-hmm. invasion. And he said, no, you don't play murder in soft words. Oh, which man. I thought was a beautiful quote. Ah, oh, he's the best. He's the best. He's, uh, <laughs> anybody at home, if you know who Orson Welles is, if you don't know who Orson Welles is, go on YouTube right now and type in Orson Welles drunk. 
and watch him do a um, a commercial for champagne in the late seventies, Palmasson <laughs> champagne, and he is wasted. Oh and my it's one god! Of the funny, it's only like a minute and thirty seconds, and it's we'll watch it after we're done. Okay. One of the funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> oh god, he's just out of it. And this is a man, classically trained actor, one of the best actors that ever lived. Created yeah. what a lot of people consider one to be the best to be at least. Even if people will say like, "Oh, well, it's not the best film anymore." It changed. Citizen Kane changed the way movies are made. <laughs> just like Avatar. Yes, I just put Citizen Kane and Avatar in the same <laughs> same little line. Hey, you know what? That's the thing, guys. I love I love Hurt Locker. Avatar changed the way movies are made. We do CG differently now. We have those awesome Planet of the Apes movies now because of Avatar. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, War of the Worlds is something where it's what. I want one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up is because at the time, all it took was there being one outlet for how people received entertainment at home, and something that was not necessarily new, but people were still getting used to a little bit. Something like the War of the Worlds, War of the Worlds scare could happen now. Just as easily. All it takes is one Facebook story to start trending for some reason because some jerk thinks that it would be funny to throw different sources behind this and different people just not reading and just clicking and blindly being susceptible to whatever is thrown in front of them. And it can happen just as quick. Yeah. Because people don't do research. Because there are things that are happening now that are way more important than something that if, if there was an alien invasion, we'd know. Or at least if there was a large scale, what happens in War of the Worlds, so the giant ships coming down, somebody would see something. Like, there are these um, armada of ships. There are things like that that you wouldn't necessarily see, but that you still shouldn't just believe just on face value that people do no research into. And that's, that's in, and no matter what political line you follow, there are people that just don't do the research. Yet another reason why I don't think we'd be visited by aliens anytime soon, and another reason why I think that something like the War of the Worlds fiasco could happen now. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. When you have the U.S. government, who back in the 50s mm-hmm. were officially investigating the UFO phenomenon, sending people out to meet these people, write up reports on what they'd seen finding any scant evidence that they could of what these things were. And then, I'll tell you this, coming to the conclusion that the most likely scenario is that it was alien, that whatever was going on was extraterrestrial. Mm -hmm. Um, This was their official stance on it. It was then stamped down by another committee who said, no, we, we can't put that out to the public. There'll be mass hysteria. Um, we can't say that things are visiting this planet. What do you make of actual historical documentation that the government once said that this is most likely extraterrestrial? I value information and I value education and people who are educated and are smart. And there was, there are times when our government is very much run by smart, intelligent people. There are also times when our government was doing things like outlawing marijuana because black people it made black people violent and outlying um uh making like saying that a white person couldn't get married to a black person because I, the loving that case like i if it was 50 years ago my mother and father could not have gotten married right 50 years that's it 
And that's right around the same time that this committee of people went out and interviewed a bunch of people in Roswell and went like, well, if they're saying it's aliens, it's probably aliens. By the way, keep that black person away from my water fountain. I don't want any germs. <laughs> like, it's... that. That's where it starts to get tough with me is I... Especially at the time, I would be more apt to believe something like that now because I believe that our science has advanced in such a way that... I would probably be like, I believe there's more of a way to prove that. <laughs> this was at a time when they were G-men. It was all dudes in suits who went to church every Sunday. Who were go- And while that honestly puts a little bit more in the favor of if they thought they saw something, that it must be true. Because they weren't just going to believe anything willy-nilly. There's also an aspect of religion that does make people believe stuff really willy-nilly. So it's, I, I am a... I would call myself a doubting Thomas when it comes to a lot of this stuff. I'm, I have to put my hand in the wound. Mm-hmm. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Like there is, uh, human beings are fallible to a point where it's, even if there is a committee of 50 men back in, when did Roswell have it? 52? Uh, 47. 47. Uh, I was going to say 57. I was close. Um, <laughs> give it take 10 Yeah, give it, give it take 10 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just tough for me to believe that when we were behind in so many other basic ways at mm-hmm. the time. When we were still 47, we had just gotten finished locking up people from Japan. In, in on our own borders, American citizens, because we thought that they might be directly connected. And that's, that. don't get me wrong, that's a deeper fear, but that's still just a, it's hard to trust the same people who are doing that when they say, oh, well, this might have been an alien invasion. What if they wanted us to be scared? Mm-hmm. And that's, a, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but at a time where you're trying to make people, when you realize that nothing has gotten your country together yet, like a war with another power, with an outsider, I would try to drum this, drum something up. It's like, all right, what's the next bad guy? Let's yeah. try aliens. Didn't catch on. Fine. Communist. Absolutely. 
A lot of people believe that the Roswell case, whether it was a crashed alien flying saucer or Mm -hmm. not, the day the headline came out about it, it was they found a flying saucer, something from space. The next day it was retracted and they said it was nothing but a weather balloon that's since been debunked. Uh, but what is a weather balloon? Oh, that's a, good, a really good question. In all my research, especially in Durazo, I still don't know. Oh wait, I think there's definitely a weather balloon in an episode of Simpsons where the okay. meteor coming down. So I have at least I have some tacit understanding. I'm glad your education comes from <laughs> oh lovable. Oh, buddy, I put deodorant on my undercarriage because of the Simpsons, and I didn't even realize that for like seven years. Well, <laughs> you know. The Simpsons get it right every time. Every time. Let's be honest. A wonderful X Files episode. Oh, I had, by the man. way. Oh, so um, good. But back to Roswell. A lot of people believe that a lot of these things were top secret projects. Maybe what crashed in Roswell was a spy satellite from a neighboring enemy country. So if people are out there believing this was a UFO, they're of extraterrestrial origin. They're not going to be thinking, oh my god, a spy satellite from the Soviet Union crashed here. It made it here. Oh my god, we're going to be invaded by them. No, let's let them think it's little green men in space, you know. So it really is a big mixed bag of disinformation and persuading the public to believe one thing over another. Whether or not you believed... You believe that we landed on the moon? I do think that there's way more to support the fact that we did, that there, that there is. That I we agree didn't. with that. Um, th- that didn't just happen overnight. There was a space race, don't get me wrong, but there was a period of time where that was something that we were actively pursuing, and it is arguable that in the late 40s we could have been trying some things that probably would have freaked people out with and we're also trying to send people into space mm-hmm. and it's something like that that could have just spread all over the all over the side of the hill and you know it's that not working which is why it took a whole 20 another 20 years to get a manned rocket yeah. that we shot into the sky like that didn't just happen yeah so it's definitely something where i yeah i would just believe i would believe human error quicker than i would believe any kind of intervention Mm -hmm. outside intervention because it's just so it just seems so uh, like bland or like blase or unimportant Mm -hmm. like with the things that from what it's not like like a skyscraper has disappeared or like an entire town has disappeared or like it's always one person who was stolen in the middle of the night and then brought back why like, that's what I always come down to. It's the why. When the why becomes more obvious, then I'll even start to entertain some more ideas. Mm-hmm. But I've yet to get a good why. I, I can completely understand that. I have interviewed hundreds of people Absolutely. at this point. Everything from seeing a s- small blip in the sky that was probably a star, was probably Venus, mm-hmm. was probably a drone at this point in 2017, or... They claim to have been abducted by aliens. Now, that spectrum is huge between seeing a light in the sky and saying you were taken by aliens. As a researcher, however, my job is not to judge the person by the story. Of course not. It's to hear the story out and relay that in the most objective way I can, keeping the possibility open. Now, I'm not out to 
instigate this and say, oh, it's a Venusian from this planet with blonde flowing hair. They're here to give you the cure for cancer or to bring you to their planet to plant your human seed. You know, this, these are things (laughs) that, uh, I can, I can wholeheartedly admit are too far out there. The possibility of people being visited by something, uh, and being taken, I'm open to that being possible. Whether or not it's a physical phenomenon is a completely separate thing. Sure. Could this be happening in their mind? Yes, I do believe so. And I don't mean in the terms of being delusional Mm -hmm. or making it up, but a lot of these people firmly believe these things have happened to them as vivid as the memory might be or the the memories regressed through some sort of hypnotherapy. They're astounding. Yeah. And they're happening all over the world. And you have to think about when the abduction phenomenon came into, like, its prominence. This was back in the late 70s, early 80s, maybe. And there were many cases before that as well. It's just before the internet. So you have to wonder how these strikingly similar stories were happening all over the world. From Australia to Japan to here in the United States to Canada. And these people have never met. Entertainment at this point was not feeding them these stories. Right. A lot of Hollywood were getting their subject material from these people, mm-hmm. from case reports from Project Blue Book, this project I told you about that the government did. So you do have to wonder, you know, was this some sort of hysteria that just Absolutely. snowballed from there? But that always astounded me that people from all over who've never met are having these extremely connected experiences yeah and it's i mean the mind can do interesting things um i'm not saying immediately like oh well clearly it's all in their heads but there is something to be said for there are connect like there's the idea of um you know most religions have angels across the world most religions have something that something divine that comes down from the sky and that could mold and roll and snowball over the years and all of a sudden it's not something divine that's coming out of the sky it's something bad that's coming out of the sky or it's something good that's coming out of the sky or it's just something that's from above that is coming down and affecting us so what you do is no longer in your control it's the same thing for me for like demon possession it's just like oh the devil made me do it an alien made me do it i know i don't usually act like this but I got abducted. It's an excuse, in a way, to... And it's something I, you know, I make excuses for myself all the time without realizing that I'm doing it. Human beings need to excuse if they feel like they're not doing something that they should be doing or they're doing something that they shouldn't. There's... I feel like it's almost on instinct to want to be like, well, I'm not, you know... I'm having chips tonight, but I'll probably have a salad tomorrow. <laughs> or, like, I'm going to, like, you know, I, 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 I'm going to have three drinks tonight, but I'm not going to drink for the rest of the week. Like, it's, it's, it's excusing certain behavior. And when it's something that's belief-based, the excuse becomes not only more viable to yourself, but it becomes more, you're more likely to get belief from others. Like, there's this shared hysteria, like, with Randy Quaid and his wife. <laughs> Randy Quaid and his wife, yeah, Randy Quaid and his wife both believe that the same people that killed Heath Ledger are trying to kill them, yeah. and they've been around each other so long that like there's and I forget I'm sure there's an actual medical term for it, um, but it is this kind of like shared psychosis, 
So that kind of stuff is possible. It is interesting, of course, that there's like the stories could happen all over the world, but I think that's also like a fun study into how we all aren't that different. And there are thir- certain things throughout the world that we could just be affected by on a base biological level. Like how majestic a, a bald eagle looks. Like something flying through the sky is majestic. That will seep into your brain and could come out in other ways. Yeah. Or, you know, well, we, you, people could be getting abducted by aliens. They <laughs> and then you have this whole idea of a phenomenon that things are happening around the world at the same exact time with absolutely no communication. Yeah. You know, they say that you Cthulhu, know, alcohol man. was know. created at different parts Throughout the world, yeah, at the same go. time, these yeah, people yeah. have never met, but right. at the same collective moment in time, they all were like, "Ooh, this makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah. Like, this makes me lose my inhibition. Yep. I don't. I can do whatever I want tonight and not have to remember it tomorrow. You know. So you have to wonder. You know, is this some sort of? I don't want to say fate or destiny, but the idea that things can happen in synchronistic terms all over the world at the right. same time and is the abduction phenomenon part of that or uh, let's say let's take a mass ufo sighting for instance something like in 1997 the phoenix lights incident thousands of people witnessed a triangular formation of lights in the sky massive huge people got video this that this that we won't go into the case history because most of our listeners know about it but while all these people were seeing the same thing, when they would describe it to people, all of their stories were different on what exactly they were seeing. Weird. So that's when perception yeah, yeah, really yeah, comes yeah. into question. Interesting. While this may be happening in real time, and a million people, you know, a thousand in this case, were seeing it, they're all saying it was completely silent, while the other person's saying it was so loud, or it was going really fast. No, it was hovering. You know, it's... It's fascinating. Yeah. Whatever these things are, they're having a different effect on people, and mm-hmm. their perception of what's happening is different too. Totally. No, and I think what's what's interesting about that too is it's it's something that is a constant for human beings. Like, and it's something that only kind of grows stronger. It's actually it's funny now that I was I was thinking about this a second ago. Like, it's funny to me that there haven't been more. Like, we live in a world where there are people. We have flat earthers again. We have flat <laughs> earthers again. <laughs> Let me just, we have flat earthers. We have people that believe that the world is flat. Because could, you, could you repeat that? We have flat earthers. Okay, thank you. Yes. Um, like, that's, that's bonkers. And yet, I'm not seeing nearly as many celebrities going, I believe in aliens anymore. Like, that's, what's weird to me is, like, now, at a time where everybody has cameras, and, like, it's not just, like, grainy, shaky footage, there's nothing. It's a very, very good argument. Like at the time, at a time when we only like you, at a time where it's like you know you couldn't really fake a photo unless you really, really tried. <laughs> there was, I feel like it was rampant with Bigfoot sightings and Loch Ness monster sightings and UFO videos and photos and all this stuff. And now, when people have drones and GoPros and all this stuff, and, and then nothing. It's a very good argument. A lot of people argue that. These things are so elusive and so advanced that as we progress with our own technology, they're always a step ahead oh, and remaining cool. elusive. Yeah. Um, but then you got to think, do they really care about one person on the ground with an iPhone yep. being like, oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I will say, I, I, I am having a fun time imagining just a gray sitting in a circle and shit like, oh, 
They finally got iPhones, like 500 years late, but whatever. All right, well, <laughs> um, I guess we'll just throw out the cloaking device. Like, well, yeah, you got to reboot it. I don't know. I didn't know it was going to take them this long to figure this out. I know we've moved on, but this is the only thing we have. We, when we crashed in Roswell and gave them this technology yeah, of the uh, iPhone, it took them this long? Uh, Are you kidding uh, me? Uh, A lot of people actually uh, believe that, Andrew. Hey, no, like that's, it's, oh, especially with like iPhone technology and stuff like that, it's, it, it's insane. It's insanity. We have mother boxes in our pocket. That's, there's a, there's a comic book reference for you. We have mother boxes. We have, science fiction is, is becoming science fact more and more and more. And it's still something where it's all, what's interesting about it is it's still man-made. Mm-hmm. Like most of the advances that we have are still man-made. And yet, we can do something as phenomenal as make an iPhone, but we can't possibly make a crystal skull or the pyramids or the Stonehenge or any of that stuff. <laughs> that it was all aliens. I assume you're not an ancient alien theorist. Not, 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 not particularly. No. Let's let's give humans some credit. Yeah. Well, right? not even let's give humans some credit. Let's give slave owners some credit. Very and that's good the only point. time you're going to ever hear me say that phrase. <laughs> if you do not care if the person that is making your pyramid eats or sleeps or dies. You're going to get it done pretty quick. It's going to be, it's going to work out. You're going to find that these people are capable of things that nobody thought humans were capable of because they sleep on each other and they don't get to bathe and they don't get to eat regularly and they die all the time being crushed by giant rocks. And then it was probably just a process of elimination. It's like, oh, five people couldn't lift that rock. Do 10 people. Nope, nope, that didn't work either. All right, 20 people this time. Like, that's what happened. It was like, it's not like they had the pyramids done in like a week. (laughs) 40 years. Like, generations built the pyramids. Right. And died building the pyramids. That's a really good point. The Crystal Skull stuff, too, is just like, that's, it's, that one, I I can kind of understand because of, like, the smoothness. People always bring up how smooth they are Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But it's still, like, people, human beings are 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 able to do some amazing things. They are incredibly capable when there is, when ego is removed, when, mm. when drive is removed, not necessarily drive, but like when this idea that to succeed necessarily is kind of removed, when you're just doing something to do it, man is capable of a lot. Right. So yeah, no, not an ancient aliens guy. <laughs> it's, it's completely fun. <laughs> it's always, it all, yeah, I... Yeah. <laughs> the fact that that television show has been on for like 12 years now. Because it's, it's, you know what, it's fun. It's like, that's fun. the thing. It's it would be fun. And it's another thing where it's like, I, ironically enough, and this comes back to my humans want to be important thing. We want to be special. We want to be better than everybody else or everything else. You, so, of course, we've been visited by aliens in the past. But. What's ironic about that is I would argue that we are much more special having been able to do those things ourselves. Yeah. With no alien assistance. Very good. But to insinuate that the aliens went down there to jumpstart our civilization or something levies quite a bit of importance (laughs) against our race, which I don't think that we are necessarily like. That's that's bonkers. That's like 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago, there was somebody that was capable of traveling here. They would own us at this point. That's a good point. You have to wonder why, like, if they were visiting us so often during the time of antiquity, so long 
ago. Why have they not intervened since? Yeah. Especially when they know that we're now capable of wiping out the entire planet in a heartbeat. Yeah. Maybe that's part of their plan. Maybe they they gave us the nudge at the beginning, you know, into the deep end of the pool, and now it's, let's see how they fend on their own. Maybe it's the grandest social experiment. Maybe we are a reality show for this galactic network. But even that, and it comes back to, like, religion or anything else, it's giving us a reason for being. I agree. Which is comforting, of course. Yeah. But guess what? There might just not be a reason that we're here. There might not. We're just here to be here and to live and to exist. And like and you said, it. whether there is alien life or not, that question of why we're here is the most terrifying yeah. of all. Yeah. Not knowing the answer. Yeah. Because they're just, at, at least for now, there isn't one. Yeah. There is no answer. This is where religion comes in. This is where... Exactly. It's It's all to comfort people. It's all to be like, well, if especially people who may or may not be special. Yeah. Like that's... Or or even just arrogant enough to think that they're special. Like anybody who just kind of goes about their day-to-day life and is just moving through the day, it's very easy for somebody like that to be like, oh, well, I can give all of this to a higher power and... I'll get rewarded for that at some point, or things will be different. Something will change, and uh, it's enticing and it's exciting. But it's it's also just very easy to fall into that trap, and to then your life kind of to an extent, arguably. I'm not here to come in and shoot. I I like I said, I was raised Catholic, and I am very very confident that I turned out to not be a, a jerk because. I was raised with a set of morals that were instilled in me. Whether or not I believe the other aspects of that now, that it doesn't matter to me because I know that I am a good person and actively trying to be a good person. But it can also have a negative effect, and it can make people close-minded, and it can make and that's that can be said about any belief system. Is all of a sudden other things have to not be true for your thing to be true. And that's where it becomes problematic. And that's the same with aliens or demon possession or religion or anything like that that I always come into trouble with is it's like something suffers for one belief to continue. Absolutely. Something else has to. Like there was like if you if you are a Catholic or a Christian, you have to believe in the devil. You have to believe in demon possession. You get like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. To believe in God is to believe in the devil and to believe in demons. So then it's just like, well, to believe in alien abduction, while there are some things that have been proven to be a hoax, and this is where it could get tough as well, and this is where I admire you greatly, because like I said, your resolve does not dissolve. You have to, there's an extent where you almost have to believe anything that isn't a hoax, because it's one step closer to making what you believe be true. It's one more thing that you... There's one more notch. It's like we're one step closer because this happened. This this thing over here, not true, but this tri- fiery triangle, thousands of people saw it, we're one step closer. It didn't get proved... Pro- everybody's stories are different, but everybody saw the same thing. That's a win. And that's something you have to stick by. And that's hard. And it can also mean that you have to... Even if something sounds so unbelievable, so crazy, because it hasn't been disproved... You gotta go with it. Some of these stories I've heard, when I'm writing down notes about what people are telling me, the inherent need as a writer to want to edit immediately. (laughs) Uh, 
because you run into this problem of if I'm going to be a journalist on this topic, I want my readers to come away believing it. Right. You know, like maybe that's your goal. Maybe that's your objective is to maybe not change someone's mind, but at least open their mind. Absolutely. Now, if someone sees a UFO and then says, also, it was piloted by a Bigfoot, I'm going to be a little thrown off by that. Right. And I might not include the Bigfoot piloting the spaceship into the narrative. (laughs) Now, that is, A, that is not doing the person who you're interviewing any justice. If they believe this happened... Who am I to say it didn't? Exactly. The more bizarre I've come to find out in this topic, the more I'm willing to believe. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I absolutely specificity is key, man. Yeah, and and that changes from time to time. Of absolutely. Course. But if they, if this is what they believe happened, and I come back to them time and time again, and they are telling me the same story over and over, and they haven't exaggerated it, they haven't added anything. I'm more willing to be like, yeah, I totally believe that happened to you. Mm-hmm. You look at someone like Travis Walton. This man was supposedly abducted in uh, the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a logger. He was with five other people. They all witnessed this man get shot by a beam of light from the sky, and he disappeared. What happened, Travis? Your own words briefly. Okay, well, it was uh, just another day. Yeah, just another work day <laughs> out in the woods, cutting trees. This is where? Uh, in the St. Grace National Forest in uh, Arizona. And there were seven of us. It was starting to get dark. We loaded up our chainsaws and... Uh, You're a logger, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were headed home. As we were leaving there, we saw a light coming through the trees. And uh, when we finally got down the road to where we could see the source of this light, we saw a UFO hovering near the road. All seven of you? All seven of us. It was uh, only 90 feet away. It was very clear and unmistakable. The minute it came into view, somebody yelled, uh, it's, a, it's a spaceship or something like that. We stopped the truck and I got out and went toward it. Not Just you, not the other six? Not the other six. They were yelling at me to get back in the truck and get away from there. Good thinking. Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> anyway, as I got closer to it, um, it started to uh, move and started to, m- the sound started to get louder. And uh, that scared me. I jumped down behind some cover there, and uh, the men in the truck were screaming at me to get away from there. So um, I raised up to go, and uh, I was hit. I, it felt like a physical blow, and uh, I blacked out. The men in the truck said they saw a a powerful bolt of energy come out of the bottom of the craft and hit me. They said it just looked like a grenade went off in front of me. They they said it uh, threw me through the air about 10 feet. You were watching this, right, Mike? Yes. They said I hit the ground limp, and uh, they thought it it killed me. Hmm. He's gone for a week, two weeks, I -hmm. I don't recall. Uh, Are those five people still alive? Yes, Huh. Uh, most of them, I believe. Now, for those weeks where he was missing, everyone believed that these men had murdered him. Right. Or that an accident happened, they were covering it up. This idea of an alien abduction was completely made up. This made international headlines within the week. People from all over the world were coming to interview these people. They were put under polygraph examinations. They passed with flying colors. Meanwhile, the guy's still missing. Presumed dead. Presumed dead at this point. They can't find a body. They go back to the site where this happened. Nothing. Several weeks later, 
he shows up without having talked to these loggers within that time, supposedly, they had cooperating stories about what happened that night. Ooh. Now, yeah, there you, you, go, man. you do have to wonder in oh, a case absolutely. like that. Yeah, there's things, there, there are exceptions to the rule with yeah. anything. Because I, as you are very well know, I am fascinated by Ed and Lorraine Warren. Because there's this idea when something, it's it's things like that. I honestly, you telling me me that story makes me want to go home and read all about it. If you have there's a, book, a book, I'll borrow it. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and a movie. It was ooh. more of a horror movie. They, anyway, they was, Hollywoodized it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, that to me is very interesting, and that's when it's that's the that's those are the kind of stories where I will I will listen at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the Warrens, like I know how crazy the Catholic Church is. I know how <laughs> extreme the Catholic Church is. The uh, idea that the Catholic Church looked at these two people and said, "Yes, you go do this exorcism," is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the the idea of doing an exorcism is an insane insane to begin with. But the fact that they break hundreds or thousands of years of tradition to allow these two non priests, one of whom is a woman. To perform an exorcism, I could be wrong. I think I could be wrong in the sense that I feel like they ordained. Given given that it's the Catholic Church, I would put five bucks down right now that says that Ed was ordained to do it, and Lorraine got to watch or yeah. be there, even though she's the one with inherent psychic abilities. Apparently, apparently. So like it's stuff like that that makes me. Well, like I said, I'm tying it back to the beginning. I want to believe. I'm gonna look up Travis Walton. I want to read some more about Travis Walton, but it's uh, I gotta put my hand in that wound, man. Yeah. I put my hand in that it wound. It comes back to that hand yeah. wound. Yeah. Putting salt in it. Yeah. <laughs> salt up my hand and shove it on that wound. Um, <laughs> what do you got for me? I got, so, uh, you thought it would be kind of fun, and I thought this could be a fun way to close this out here. Wow, we've been talking for over an hour already, wow. huh? So on my show, two of the segments that we do, uh, we do a segment called Spin It. Okay. Which is where I'm not going to give you a spin it today, but this is just a fun little taste for people at home. Is spin it? I give my guests a, a negative story, and I have them give me the old Sean Spicer um, <laughs> and uh, spin it to me positively. You okay. Tell me why it's good. The other segment we do is called Explain, where I give people just the headline, and then they give me the story. Mm-hmm. Really have fun with it. Um, I want to very much clarify because I would hate to have this whole wonderful talk and then make it seem like I'm making fun of anybody at all. I purposely chose these two headlines that I'm going to give you um, from Weekly World News. Which oh, is my not, God. Yes, 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 yes. I know it is ridiculous. I know it is stupid. I love Ryan. I've known him for many years now. <laughs> I'm just going to have, we're just going to have a little fun. This is just to that's what close tonight's this out. About. Just have fun. Not take this seriously. And I'm just going to give you some, some, some headlines. If we can't take this topic, you know, with a grain of laughter, exactly. what the hell's the point? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, this one from the Weekly World News. Uncle Sam owes me. Aging space alien applies for social security. What's happening there, Ryan? Why would uh, why why would an alien feel like they're entitled to social to my money to my tax to my tax money? Well, given that this creature most likely is not here on their own. You know, Volition. They probably crashed at some point. Uh, <clears throat> Roswell, 1947. Were brought to Wright-Patterson Airfield <clears throat> and then studied at Area 51. 
and then was secretly let out into the public, disguised as a human being, (laughs) would, at that point, want Social Security. They are now a legal, documented individual of the great USA. Okay. And Uncle Sam owes them. Okay, okay, okay. Now, usually... Usually it is a lot of fun when I do these headlines because the the explanation is usually way different than what the story is actually about. I am almost convinced that you saw the rest of this picture because at the very bottom it says, says he's been employed at Area 51 since crash in 1947. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God I did not see that. The stories <laughs> run deep, y'all. <laughs> Oh, that's my favorite thing. That oh, that could not have been better. Okay, <laughs> last one, last one. Headline, just the full story. Give me the meat. Just the headline. Explain. 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 Alien Bible found. They worship Oprah. What? So wait. So so aliens are. So why? Well, I mean, I, I get, this one I actually kind of get. Okay. Ryan, Ryan, why why are the aliens worshiping Oprah? A whole Bible. Oh, I have Oprah. two answers for this. One. Okay. okay. All right. I'm excited. A, who, mm. it's more of a question, who doesn't? That's, yeah, touche. Let's be honest. Touche, my friend. Yeah. Yep, yep. She's That's divinity. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Personified. <laughs> uh, my second answer would have to be, look look at someone like Carl Sagan. Okay. Done. Contact. I'm looking at him right now. Look at the beginning of, uh, not the book so much, but the movie. Uh-huh. You know, you start with this, the, the message being sent out into the universe. From so long ago, from our satellites beaming things out, yeah. from like maybe a broadcast from the Olympics sure. uh, in the forties, yeah. and then to Battle of the Networks, Battle does. of the Networks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I like that. Uh, and then you have something like a Spice Girls song. You know, the further you go out, the better possibility of finding something. Maybe instead of. The Olympics in Germany, where Hitler made an announcement, maybe other than that being the first thing that some alien civilization found, Mm -hmm. it was Oprah saying, you've got an iPhone, you've got an iPhone, you've got an iPhone. So you're saying this is their galaxy quest. Absolutely. Yeah, I get it. That makes total sense. There's probably a ship out there that's just full of, like, Callisto music and uh, tiny little pieces, and then, like, burned up copies of tiny little pieces once that guy ended up being a fraud. (laughs) There's Yeah, there's a whole ship. Who knows, man? I mean, look at like uh, look at something like in The Simpsons, the episode yep. where uh, they create the uh, the miniature civilization. Mm-hmm. I think this is, was that a Treehouse of Horror. It was a Treehouse of Horror. It's a play off of a Twilight a Zone Twilight episode Zone episode. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where they become their god yeah, because yeah, it's Lisa, all they yeah. know. We've learned to imitate you exuntly. <laughs> Exactly. Maybe on some far-off planet, maybe closer than we think, there is a huge statue of Oprah. Oh, man. And they are just... I'm, I'm, I, you did even better with these headlines than I could have. Uh, <laughs> you'll have to come on Half White Son of a Black Man. Sister. I that's would all, love to. Yeah, that's all that, that is. Uh, so, when can we listen? Uh, you can listen uh, every Saturday. We usually release it. You can go to... You can look up Half White Son of a Black Man on iTunes or... Um, I think it's on like Podcruncher too, and a few other. Uh, if, if anybody's familiar with Libsyn, anything that you get through Libsyn, uh, you can listen to Half White Son of a Black Man on. Or you can go to www.halfwhitesonofablackman.com and download the MP3s for free. It is hilarious. I listen Thank every week, much. and there's, it's not just because I know you. There's also a podcast. Uh, there's at least the first half of something that will hopefully be 
completed down the line, which is with my friend Joe Cavatite, which was uh, In the Sky from the Shadows, is what it's called. It's basically us talking about the effects of... Uh, it was inspired by when Batman v Superman came out, and how um, Batman and Superman have both been molded by their interpretations in other media over the years significantly. Like, mm. just for a little taste, Jimmy Olsen and Kryptonite, both introduced in the radio show. Not introduced in the comic books. If it oh, wasn't for doing a radio show, we would not have Jimmy Olsen or Kryptonite. Wow, I never knew that. We wouldn't have Batgirl without the 66 TV show. We wouldn't wow. have... Yeah, there's all kinds of... It's it's all there. Like, yeah. it's all stuff that is... Like, Christopher, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies affected what happened in the comic books. And, like, there's just... It's all from that. So, I was... It was very much me being like, listen, Batman v Superman is what people are going to be talking about 15 years from now you watch. That is um, a bold statement. It is, there. and I stand by it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, there's another little fun podcast for a company I do work for called uh, Sanford on the City. There's about two episodes now. If you go to the New York Tour 1 Facebook page, you can listen to those on there. Um... I love me some podcasts. Me too, my man. Ah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me thank today. You, it was buddy. a healthy debate. This was a blast. Not I wouldn't even, even debate. call it a debate. It's a no, conversation. It a discussion. I, that's the thing. I am open to, like I said, I want to know more about Travis Walton. I yeah. want to I, I want to believe. Look, look at that, guys. We got one more for Travis Boom. Walton. <laughs> As Mulder would always say, I want to believe. Exactly. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thanks, Ryan. All right, that is it for this week's first in-studio interview. I have to thank Andrew once again for coming on. His work can be found at halfwhitesonofablackman.com. He is one of the nicest people I know, and it was so refreshing to talk to an open-minded skeptic. He is currently reading my copy of Fire in the Sky, The Travis Walton Experience. So, I'll have him on again to see what he makes of the entire Travis Walton incident. I also want to take this opportunity to say that the show is going to become a bit less rehearsed and scripted moving forward. I've received a lot of feedback, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm a slave to a script. So, get used to hearing me be much more laid back, unedited, and just being myself with all of you. If you haven't already, please rate and review the show wherever applicable. And if you have any guest or topic suggestions, hit me up at spregatsomewhereintheskies.com. I've also got a ton going on over at the website, so please check that out, somewhereintheskies.com. Remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. This has been a Third Kind production. To learn more, visit thirdkindproductions.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.